This is Jim. How can I help you? Howdy, Jim. My uh, questions are related. I've actually got two, a foundation question and a window question. First, okay. the window, uh, first the foundation question. Uh, I've, I've seen, I've got some stair steps at the joints of my sheetrock in the ceiling, and then my tile is cracked all in the same orientation, but in different areas of the house. I've had three different subcontractors come out. They all three got different measurements. One of them, two of them said, I need work. One said I didn't. They're probably the biggest one in town, uh, named after a color. And I don't know who to trust. I don't know what to do. And then the other one is... Ma when you named after window, who? <laughs> a color. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> anyway. Well, the, first, I'll help you with that. They're they're not okay, the biggest ahead. in town, but they're owned by one of the biggest. <laughs> okay, go ahead. No, I, I said they're not the biggest in town, but they are owned by one of the biggest. Okay, and then the next one is windows. I've got a cracked window, and it's, you know, back in the day when I was a kid, you went to the store, got a piece of glass cut and some glazing, and it was a single pane, you stuck it in there. Now the, yep. the whole half of the window is a double pane, and, and it's got the battens on the inside. Is there anything? Can you actually replace that glass? You just have to buy a whole new window and have them tear into your brick and everything else you can replace. What do you do? Okay, well, let's start with the uh, foundation first. You've okay. had a couple companies come out and look at it, uh, and you said when they took readings, they're getting different readings on it? Yeah, all one of them had different values. Yeah, one of the things that some of the foundation companies are doing now to make it look like you got a bigger problem than you do is they will take the highest spot in the house and make that zero and then go out and everything else is a minus number. Other companies will go to the middle of the house, try to find a wall that's typically in the center and not going to ever be removed from the house, and so you'll have plus and minus numbers from it. The difference may be the same, but one is trying to make it look like it's worse than the others are. So how much difference across the house or, or differential movement are we talking about? I don't have them in front of me right now, but it was about the worst one was about a quarter inch off. Uh, I believe maybe it was a half inch. It was no more than a half was the worst, uh, and I, I actually think it was around a quarter inch was the worst one. Okay. They did use different zero spots, starting points, location sure. in their measurements. Yep. But when you but they provided all that to me, and when you go back and do the math, the actual deltas between points are di are different. So I mean, it's okay. All over the map. Well, the other thing that you have to watch is some of them will make uh, the adjustment for different floorings, and other guys don't if they're, if they're not familiar with how to do that. So that can make I wasn't it, home uh, for that. I wasn't home for it. Yeah, so, so that can make it difference as well. But I will tell you, if, if your readings are only showing a quarter to a half inch off, you don't need foundation repair. The okay. one thing that you, you were telling me is that the stair step cracks in the sheetrock are in the ceiling, you said? Yep. Yep, and they're in the joint. They're not, you know, they're yeah. between the piece of the sheetrock. When you have a foundation problem, you typically do not see it in the ceiling, and you definitely don't see it in the joint. Okay. So that tells me that you, you may have some frame movement or something going on, or it could be just a bad tape and float job. Okay. But I don't think you have a foundation issue. Okay. Cracks in the tile floors, the larger area of tile you have, the more likely you are that you're going to get cracks in it. So again, that really doesn't indicate you have a foundation issue. Typically, if you're having foundation movement, you're going to see diagonal cracks above doors and windows in the sheetrock. 
doors that go out of alignment, not necessarily sticking, but the gap across the top of the door between the door and the door frame is okay. not even all the way across. Yeah, I don't have anything If like you that. start getting, yeah, if you don't have anything like that, you don't have foundation movement. Now, you that's may need good. to do some watering or something, but definitely don't have foundation movement. Well, that's good. That's now, good. On the, yeah, and so that, that's, that saves you a ton of money there. But on the, uh, on the windows, yeah. yeah, it used to be you just went down to your local hardware store, picked up a pane of glass, you change out the, the plastic stripping or use some uh, window, you know, putty to put it back in and you were done. Now you actually have to have a new panel made uh, when you have those double pane windows. And, you know, you, you said you'd have the, the window dividers inside the glass pane. Yep. Yeah, they can actually still do that. If you know who the window manufacturer was, it's easier to get it to match, but otherwise, uh, a lot of the glass shops can make these windows. Like if you and go you to a Bitswag or somebody you like the that. Whole frame, the whole window frame in with the broken glass, and then they replace nope, it. Nope, I, I, the the glass panels will come out just similar to the way it used to on old windows. There's a vinyl. I'm assuming you have vinyl replacement windows. No, I think there. Are, I, they're aluminum, from what I can tell. I mean, okay, I'm, if you have still the original aluminum, it will have strips on the outside of the window that can be removed typically to take the glass panels out. Okay. And you can take that whole glass pack in. Or typically what I recommend is call a glass company. They'll come out. They'll get the proper measurements, go back to their shop, build it, and put it in for you. Oh, that's perfect. Okay. Well, you've been very helpful. Uh, I what, appreciate what, it. What oh, what part ahead. of town are you in? I'm up in Anna, north of McKinney. Okay, there is a shop in Plano uh, that definitely, that I know does this for you. So you may want to give them a holler. Okay, it's, uh, uh, I believe it was Plano Bath and Glass. Plano Bath and Glass. Well, I'll give them a holler. I appreciate yep. it. All right, Matt, you take care. Have a great weekend. You know, I was talking about fiberglass versus foam insulation. And just to, to give you an idea of the difference, if you have a 2 by 4 wall that you have fiberglass insulation in, that's going to be R13, no more than an R15 in the wall. If you have that same 2 by 4 wall and you put foam insulation in it, you're now going to go from an R16 up to as high as an R26. And it's probably typically going to end up around an R21, somewhere in that range. Uh, quite a bit of, of difference. Here's the thing, though, and, and a lot of times we, we fail to uh, understand this. Just because you can raise the R value doesn't mean you should. As an example, in an attic... The sweet spot on the R value is R49 in the Dallas area. That's in North Texas, I should say. That's about 15 inches of insulation. And the reason that's the sweet spot, that the, the R value really is, is just like a clock. That's how long it's going to take heat to penetrate through the insulation to, to start affecting the living space, whether it's the heat from the living space going out or heat from outside coming in, 
the R is just resistance. That's that's it's just slowing down that heat transfer. So R49 is a sweet spot because that's enough to get you through the day, but not so much that you're way spending more money than you need to in order to get a higher R value. In other words, if you had an R60 in an attic, everything over 49 is really a waste of money. Typically, in a wall in the Dallas area, R18 is that sweet spot. You're not going to get there using fiberglass insulation. You can get there if you had two by six walls. It would take five and a half inches to get there. But if you had the spray foam insulation, you're going to be there virtually every time on the walls. And that's the reason if you're building new construction, that's one of the big reasons you'll hear me all the time preach. Foam in the walls, fiberglass in the attic. The other reason for that is your home needs to breathe. When you use foam and encapsulate the entire structure, the house doesn't breathe any longer. You are now 100% dependent on the air conditioning system to control everything in the home. And I'm talking about humidity, air quality, oxygen content, all that good stuff. Literally, your air conditioner has to have a tube going from outside into the home to bring fresh air in. If you use the foam in the walls that blocks all the air and all that infiltration that you get from the cold days and all that stuff, it blocks your air conditioning from going out through the openings in the walls, gives you the highest R value, kills the sound and all that stuff. But then the fiberglass in the attic allows the house to still breathe so your air conditioning system doesn't have to bring that fresh air in. You're not dependent on it. And what happens if you don't have a, an air conditioning system that works properly, the house can literally start to sweat inside, get mold and, and stuff like that that can become a sick home syndrome. Why take chances? Again, R49 is R49 whether you're using foam or fiberglass. So build the home to breathe. Jeff, this is Jim. How can I help you? Okay, um, I've got a, um, a house. I'm putting in a new water heater. And I noticed um, there isn't a floor drain anywhere. Does that does there have to be some kind of drain for that water heater to drain water into if it blows up or something by any kind of codes? Well, for the blow-up, what you have is that pop-off valve. Yes, but does that have to run to a drain, or can it just pour on the ground? The house was built in the is it, early 70s. Well, is it inside the house or in the garage? Inside the house. If it's inside the house, it's supposed to be drained outside. Hmm. I don't know how or, to do that. Or into a drain. Now, when did you say the house was built? Early 70s. Okay. You know, sometimes that's just not available. If it's on an outside wall or up in the attic, it's it's yeah. easy to drain it out. Yeah. Uh, is it in the attic? No, it's in the utility room um, right by the garage. But it's still in the okay. house. Okay. Okay. Uh, you know, really what you would have to do to do it properly, if you were going to meet code, mm -hmm. the water heater needs to be uh, elevated, needs to have a pan underneath it to catch the water, and that pipe needs to be going outside. So if the pop-off valve does open up, it either goes outside or into a drain. And, okay. Uh, you know that would be the the 
the proper way to to install could it. I, could I run it up, like use maybe like PEX and run it up into the attic and then back outside? I mean, no. This is kind of weird. Okay. It has to go yeah. gravity. Yep. Okay. And that's a, that's a code. It has to be done that way? Like it, like it would flunk at an inspection? Correct. Okay. Okay. I'll try to figure something out then. Okay. Not Thanks. a fun thing. Now, here, if you're up against an, a uh, garage wall, yes. what's what's very common to have to happen in these older houses like that, you punch through into the garage, run it along the base in the garage, and then punch it out through the wall. Okay. And it can just pour into the ground. It doesn't have to go into like a floor drain or anything? Correct. Correct. Okay. All right. Well, that helps. Okay. Okay. Thanks. Bye. Take care. Yeah, and, and, you know, one thing that we got to, I guess I got to make everybody aware of, codes change over time. So the way a house was built maybe doesn't meet code nowadays. If you upgrade certain items, water heater being the biggest one, you do have to upgrade to meet current codes. However, if you were looking at buying a house, if that water heater was still working and it was still put in the old way, you don't have to upgrade it in order to purchase the house and get financing on it. It's just whenever the next time that the water heater gets changed that you would have to upgrade it. Jump over and talk with Matt in Pearland. How are you? Oh, I'm pretty good. How are you doing? Doing wonderful. I've got a question for you. I have a, a brand new porcelain on steel uh, shower uh, pan that uh, I it was damaged just recently by my granite installers. And I was wondering if I should be accepting a a patch on that thing. What? How, how are they patching it? Uh, it was done. A guy came in and did the uh, the, the epoxy filler, and then a like a uh, HCLP paint sprayer that smelled like a polyurethane paint. Okay. Is and that, so he just that... spot spot did it, or did he recoat the whole thing, or? Well, he spot did it, and I've not had great experience in the past with uh, <clears throat> any recodings on yep. these things. And nope. so I told they him, I I, yeah, they, they peel, and I told him this was a brand new porcelain steel, and I, I was, I was, I'm skeptical still about the uh, spot repairs. And I didn't know if this is something they put a two-year warranty on the spot repairs, but I don't know if this is something that I should accept when it's all said and done, or if I'm, I'm still looking at problems down the road with it yellowing. Well. I got to be honest. More than likely, it will yellow down the road. How big a dent or or spot are we talking about? These were two spots. The original chips were all the way to the steel, and they were maybe, I'd say, roughly dime sized. Okay. I would have a hard time forcing them to replace the tub. That, you know the, all that if if that's what it was and but I also can't tell you that it's not going to yellow and not going to peel down the road okay uh, yeah. you know that the, and that that's the big problem with it but you know the mess that you're going to get involved with if if the whole thing has to come out and be replaced oh, maybe a lot more than you want to go through <laughs> well yeah I I just put in the new pan liner myself so I know exactly yeah. what's involved with putting it in there yeah, so you know that—that's why I really am. I'm hesitant to say, yeah, tell them to replace it. I mean, if you understand what you're getting 
getting yourself into with it being replaced, the only way to make sure that it doesn't come back as a problem, because I'm going to tell you, two years from now, no, it may not be an issue. Five years from now, you'll probably know it. And that's that's what my fear was, is I figured it'd probably be okay for a year or two, but in five years' time, I'm going to have a nice white porcelain shower pan, and I'm not going to have a... Yep. Uh, yeah, okay. Okay. Well, and and, and unfortunately, over time, you know, what, what what's happened now is you've got to clean it differently. You've got to maintain right. it differently uh, because it will start to peel over time. And if you hit it with the least little thing right now, it's going to chip versus what the porcelain part will do. Well, and it's also it's a different material. It's a soft spot as opposed yep. to the rest of the, yeah. Okay. Ex exactly. So I, I hate being a, you know, a hard ass, to, to be well, blunt about it, but well, you, you sometimes you have to be. You confirm my fears because yeah. I, I didn't know if there was some great advance in the last two or three years since the last time I touched this stuff, but that's what I thought. Okay. Yeah. All righty. Take care, Matt. All right. Thank you. Kurt and Rockwall, how can I help you? Yeah, I've got a question about putting engineered or maybe even fully hardwood floors down, uh, whether it's best to, in your opinion, to float them or glue them. And then in the case of three-quarter-inch hardwood, somebody told me, I get conflicting stories, that you can or you cannot glue it straight to the floor. Okay. So my personal so preference, like, if, it's on, if it's on concrete, yes. is to float it. Okay. And the main reason is we get so much moisture that comes up through the concrete floors and although your floor may be totally fine right now, the next time we get a 12-inch deluge of rain, you may have moisture that comes up, and it does two things. One, it softens the glue that they use to hold down the wood floor. Two, it can cause the wood floor to start to cup. When you use a floating wood floor, you got a vapor barrier there, and the, the floor just does so much better. So that's just, that's just my personal preference. Great. Uh, Second question, then, if I if I if I actually put plywood down and nail three quarter inch floor, what's the minimum yes. plywood you can use to raise it? The three minimum quarter thickness. inch. Three quarter inch is the minimum. Okay. Yeah, because you got to have enough in order to nail that floor to it. Nail it. Get the nail in. Yeah. Okay. All right, man. I appreciate that. I help. That's very. Now, helpful. if you want, if and if. And if you want to do it that way, you can put a yeah. vapor barrier down under the plywood. Right. And then go ahead and put your plywood and then a wood floor on top of that. And that works great. Yeah. And that, that'll give you more of that sound that we used to get when we'd walk across, you know, the old style wood floors that were yeah. on the streets. Yeah. They, yeah. they sounded solid. They sounded better. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Well, that's very helpful. Thank you very much. Bert, have a great weekend. Thank you. Alice, this is Jim. How can I help you? Uh, yes, Jim. I'm getting ready to have a tub-shower combination turned into a shower only. And I had two estimates. And uh, one company um, said that they would put this um, barrier, um, I, I, like I take it, a plastic barrier, as I recall, around the, the area, outside area, and then they would put the hardy board up. And then the other right. company said, no, they don't do that, that they saw that it, it uh, drew in moisture. 
So who's correct? If it is a plastic barrier, the guy not putting it up is correct. Now, if they're using a breathable barrier like uh, Tyvek or Hardy Wrap or, or one of those type of products, I, that's what I would recommend. In fact, if you read the instructions on a concrete barrier or a, a concrete backer board, it does ask for a vapor barrier to go up, a, a moisture barrier rather, not a vapor barrier, but a moisture barrier. And, and, and here's the difference. Plastic doesn't allow the vapors to escape at all, so it can build up, cause sweating, and, and cause problems down the road. When you use a Tyvek or a, uh, a Hardy Wrap, any of those that allow the vapors to pass through, they won't sweat, yet you could hit it with water, and the water's not going to go through, but, but it's breathable so that the uh, air can pass through it, and you don't end up with it sweating. Okay, so <clears throat> we're talking about two different products, this uh, this wrap, Correct. this plastic wrap, and then the hardy board goes on top of that. And you're saying the, the plastic uh, should be a breathable, is that what you're saying? Right, and, and, and that's what wrap? I'm saying. Yeah, don't use plastic itself. Use either the hardy wrap or Tyvek, okay. one of those products. Okay, okay. All right. Well, I appreciate it. I, I was confused, and uh, when I do this, I want to make sure it's done right. Absolutely. You only want to do it once because most of the materials we use nowadays on those things, they should last, you know, 25, 30 years with no problem. Right. Okay. Well, thank you very much. Alice, you take care. Have a great weekend. Thank you. Let's talk about concrete for just a second. You know, I get a lot of calls about concrete patios, driveways, uh, sidewalks, things like that. What should I use for concrete? Well, concrete definitely comes in different strengths. 3,000 PSI mix is normally what you're looking for. A lot of times people are asking, oh, well, how many sacks is that? It's not how many sacks that you need to worry about. All you got to tell the, the uh, concrete people is you want 3,000 or 4,000 or whatever strength concrete, let them worry about how many sack concrete it is. Because it all depends on if they're going to pump it or get it straight out of the truck and be able to spread it that way. The bigger question though on the concrete, or for me the bigger thing that you need to be worried about is what you use for reinforcing in the concrete. Because so many places use wire mesh. And I'm talking about the 4-inch square or 6-inch square wire mesh. Don't use it. It's garbage. It doesn't work. Use rebar. You can put the rebar on 12 or 16-inch centers, and it'll do a much better job for you. And here's why. When they're spreading concrete, what do you see them doing? They're out there walking on it in rubber boots. Well, it's impossible to hold that wire mesh up when you're walking on it. And they say, oh, it's okay because we reach down and we pull it up. Great. I want you to reach down, grab your shoelaces, and pick yourself up. Because that's what they're trying to tell you they're going to do is reach down and pull that wire mesh up that they're standing on. When you deal with rebar, you can set it up on the chairs. you got enough space to step between the rebars 
without pushing the rebar down under the concrete. And what I do for a living, I get underneath slabs and concrete all the time. And let me tell you, almost every single time if there's wire mesh, it's under the concrete. It's not doing what you need it to do. Use rebar. It costs a couple dollars more, literally just a couple dollars, but it'll make that concrete so much stronger and last so much longer. My question today is I'm thinking of doing some upgrade to my kitchen on my countertops, and I'm wondering, you know, who would be your recommendation on that? And as I was waiting, I listened to your uh, commercial on the Texas remodeling team. Is that somebody you would recommend for this? Well, if you're going to do a complete kitchen remodel, I would definitely recommend them. If all you want to do is countertops, then I would go direct to the a countertop place. Okay, and who would you recommend for that? Well, let me ask you a couple questions first. You know, everybody's uh, hung up on, on the, the love of granite and all that stuff. And granite is fine if you just want a kitchen that looks great, but if you're going to actually use it, I wouldn't recommend the granite. So what what do you got for in mind? Well, I'm... I know there's some uh, man-made materials out there like glass and, of course, then there's yep. Korean and, and the new Formicas are pretty nice also. So uh, <clears throat> I'm not I'm not uh, interested really in the granite. I think it's too expensive. So Okay. I'm, I'm more I will tell you then. Man-made. Corian holds up great. Looks wonderful. Very durable. Uh, another product that I truly love is uh, granite transformations. Uh, it does a great job, and it can be overlaid over existing countertops, so the installation cost is substantially less. And in fact, my parents have that in in their kitchen. Uh, I had recommended it several. Uh, let's see, we put it in there in in twelve, and uh, I just had granite transformations out to their house uh, Thursday. And they just did a little buffing on it, uh, just checking everything over. The, the, the stuff is remarkable. Shows nowhere. Extremely easy to take care of. Much cheaper than granite. Uh, it's just a great product. And then you mentioned Formica. The one thing I love about Formica, and I'll be honest, I have Formica in my own kitchen still, is it is extremely inexpensive to have installed. That's what I like. <laughs> Yeah, there you go. Okay. You know, I don't know why so many people get hung up on not wanting Formica. It, it, you got so many choices on the looks of it nowadays. It is relatively inexpensive to have installed, extremely durable, and should you decide you want to change to a, a different look, it's not that expensive to, to have it redone. So, um, you know, if you want the man-made materials, take a look at Granite Transformations. Right. If you want to go with a for Formica, uh, what part of town are you in? Frisco. Okay. Shoot me an email, jim at thipro.com, that okay. you and I had talked. I'm, I've got a, a guy for Formica that I'll email back to you. Okay, great. That, I appreciate that. Thank you for your help. You know, when I come to the deer lease, I just don't bring everything with me, so sometimes yeah. I don't have yeah. all the numbers with me. <laughs> That's all right. 
All right. Thank you, sir. Thank you. John, welcome to WBAP. Hey, listen, uh, I was talking to some people to, uh, you know, install some new tile in my bathroom, and they mentioned three different kinds of backer. I know that hardy board seems to be what was mentioned earlier today, but there's also the concrete backer that I've seen at some of the box hardware stores. And sure. uh, they, they talked to me about a third type of backer that is an extruded foam-type backer. Uh, do you know anything yes. about that? I do. And you're going to put tile up, right? Yes. Okay. Go with go with a concrete backer board, either Hardy or one of the other brands, because Hardy is a concrete backer board as well. But go with one of those instead. The the uh, thing I... with the foam. Go ahead. No, that's okay. Go ahead. You're going to say something about the foam. Yeah, the, the thing with the foam is it seals so tight. You, you heard me talking earlier about you, you want to avoid something that's going to be able to sweat behind it. Most foams aren't breathable. And so when there's extreme temperature changes, and when we're running a shower, there's an extreme temperature change because we're running hot water typically against cold walls. That can cause it to sweat behind it. Now, the the, the foam absolutely helps to delay that from happening and minimizes it. I would never say it doesn't, but it's still foam. The concrete backer board is stronger. It's not going to be affected by moisture. I don't have to worry about it. It's 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 a, a proven product, and so I would really recommend that you stick with that. Okay, and as far as the grout, uh, there is some grout that has some antibacterial, anti- fungal properties yes. um, is how does that type of grout I think it's probably a traditional grout I don't know this maybe you can clarify this for me is it a traditional grout that has some additives to it to make it that way correct and yes is is that um, better in your opinion than using epoxy grout? well the the grouts typically the the only ones that you'll typically have a problem with as far as the mold and, and mildews are the ones on the corners and then coming up away from the corners. You know, it starts in the corners and grows from there. But if you got a choice of going with the antifungal type grouts, it is just an additive. Absolutely do it. Because it doesn't uh, add yeah. that much to it and, and it doesn't cause you any problems. But doesn't it um, – I'm assuming that that additive enables it to be sealed so that the, the moisture won't penetrate it like uh, old-type grout, uh, previous grout prior to the additive. Uh, does the uh, epoxy provide a better seal uh, against moisture getting into the – behind the tile? Well, the, the, the one with the antifungal in it really isn't sealing any better than the traditional – grouts it's just a chemical that doesn't uh allow the fungus to to start growing on it it, uh -huh. it just keeps it down so so uh, no it actually doesn't seal any better than the the uh, the uh the epoxy grouts will seal better but they also look plasticky to me oh do they okay yeah yeah they got a rubbery look to them more they look more oh, really? like a uh they look more like a caulking to me than they do a, 
a grout. Okay. I haven't seen any installed, so uh, <laughs> it's good to know that. Yeah. Now, here here's a big difference, and, and the reason I say that. Your traditional grouts, you know, you ha you can see the, the, the grains a little bit, the sand kind of grains in it. The 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 uh, epoxy ones that I've seen, and it doesn't mean they're all that way, but the ones I've seen and messed with, they were so smooth, it just looked like caulking was put in there, and, and uh, I just didn't care for that look. Gotcha. Okay, well, thank you. You bet, John. Take care. Joyce, this is Jim. How can I help you? Uh, Jim, yes. I am calling regarding a home that I live in. I, I bought it about a year ago, built in probably the two, 2007 or so. It's a two-story house, and there are two-and-a-half baths, one-and-a-half down and one up. And in the last, oh, I would say probably four or so, maybe five months, I've been having intermittent issues with the commodes either not flushing or flushing sort of kind of and not really running out. I have had a plumber come out twice. First time I guess he snaked it. Um, it was a different it was a, actually a different commode each time he came out. So um, mm -hmm. that's what made, made me worry that maybe it's something um, uh, I don't know systemic. I don't know what other word to use. Um, but anyway, yeah. I'm still, the, he, the last time he came out, he said uh, the next time, if it didn't work this time, he would have to come back out and do do the camera, which I know that's um, major costly, but I do need to have working commodes for obvious reasons. <laughs> so um, yeah. I'm wondering if you would have any suggestions. He couldn't find any clogs when he snaked it the first time, uh, and then the second time he came out. He said that he really couldn't find anything. So um, is there anything that, that I'm not thinking of that maybe I should just have another plumber look at it? Or Possibly. How old a house is it? It was built in 2007. Okay. Are there a lot of trees and stuff in the area? Not so much. It's actually a patio home. I have probably a, a, just a really small oak tree on my front yard and really no trees in the backyard so um okay the, re the reason i was wondering that it, it almost sounds like you got a vent problem okay uh when it when a toilet's not vented properly it won't flush out all the way and okay. you know if if they're all going on to the same vent it, it could make it intermittent with the different toilets. Now, one way you could tell if this is what's happening, when it starts acting up, flush the toilet while somebody else is watching in one of the other toilets to see if the water level moves in that toilet. In if the, the in water the level one? starts okay. In, okay. in the other one, yeah. If the water level moves in the other toilet when you flush the one that's having an issue, it means mm -hmm. it's trying to draw air through that toilet and that tells me that the vent is plugged. Okay, now I'm I'm not real smart about this. Where are these vents located? Uh, on the roof. And on the reason the I was asking if there's trees and stuff, birds can go in those vents and plug them sometimes with a bird nest or something. But a lot uh -huh. of times what happens is squirrels get down in them and plug okay. them up. Okay. Wow, okay. 
All right. So that first thing that I should just have another person watch when the problematic commode is flushed and yep. see if there's a water, the water level changes in the other commode. Yeah, it, it, it'll literally look like you took a glass and, sh and shook it a little bit. The water level uh -huh. will just kind of make a, a, an up and down motion real quick. Oh, okay. All right. Well, how about that? So, um, okay. All right. Well, thank you so much for your help. I sure appreciate it. And, and if that is the case, really all I got to do is, is run the snake down through the vent to clear it out, okay. and your problem should be gone. Awesome. All right. I'm psychic. Hopefully you saved me a lot of money. <laughs> I hope so. Thanks. Joyce, you take care. You bet. Thank you again.